Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. The Danny Mac Show with BK Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. the corner off the bat of Arenado. Goldschmidt will score and it's 4-0 St. Louis. Molina pulls it fair down into the left field corner. Goldschmidt will score. Yachty on his way to second base and he comes through here in the 10th with one out and the Cardinals back on top 5-4. Entertaining game last night. Welcome to the Danny Mac show with Brandon Kylie, I'm Danny Mack, Dan McLaughlin, that is Tanner, and coming up we're going to have a couple of good guests. We've got Michael Gersh, the Cardinals GM, and also Steve Berthume, the play-by-play voice of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Good morning, guys. Good to see you. Good morning. Late night for you last night. How you doing today? I'm doing great. Cardinals don't win that game, though, without Ryan Helsley. Ryan Helsley comes in, and to set the stage, if you fell asleep last night, late on, uh, well, not quite all the way to the West Coast, but in Arizona, um, Cardinals had Carlos Martinez going, and he was dealing. Took a no-hitter into the seventh, and then all of a sudden you looked up, it's a 4-3 game. They take him out. Eventually, after Cabrera, face three, did not retire a man, it's the bases loaded, nobody out, and this was huge for the Cardinals. Not only huge last night, but maybe huge going forward to you. You know, if you're Mike Schilt, can I rely on somebody not named Reyes, Gallegos, and Cabrera? And you found out last night, Ryan Helsey came through in a big way with the bases loaded, two strikeouts, ground out, inning over. So let's even go a little further. I think I got to give a lot of credit today to Mike Schiltz for the move to go from Cabrera to Helsley, because that's ballsy. You've got one of your best relievers on the mound. He clearly didn't have his best stuff last night. He was getting hit hard and it just, it wasn't going to work for him. So he decides to go to Ryan Helsley in that spot with no outs in the bases are loaded. Helsley's had a very up and down season. There have been moments like last night where he looks great. And other moments where that probably wouldn't have gone the way it did for him last night, but he ends up going against the best diamondbacks player so far this year. in Carson Kelly has been getting on base almost 50% of the time this year and strikes him out swinging. That is a huge at bat right there. And then you do it again with young and then you get out of the inning with a ground out massive, massive moment. The game was won or lost potentially right there in that spot. Ryan Helsley deserves all of the credit for what he was able to do. And Mike Schilt deserves credit for making what was a gutsy decision in that spot. Cardinals manager, Mike Schilt. I mean, that was huge by Helsley, you know, pulled the Houdini, uh, went out, punch out, punch out, um, you know, ground ball, um, good positioning. So great job by Hells. Went in tack mode, you know, base loaded and, and uh, kept it right there and uh, you know, Ponce was fantastic too. You know, stranded the guy at second base to lead the inning off with a one-run lead, and uh, you know, harder their their order. So um, that was a fantastic job by by both those gentlemen. And he knows he's got to have someone other than Reyes, Cabrera, Gallegos step up, and he got it last night. We're going to need contribution for more than those three guys. Clearly, and and Hells has done a great job for us for the most part this year. So he's been a guy we've 
been able to rely on. Ponce coming on is a, is a, is a real asset for us. Um, and then, you know, Webby's been better lately. And so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's becoming more encouraging. I said uh, last night in the moment, I said this could be a potential little turning point for Daniel Ponce de Leon. So he comes in. Picks up the save, Ponce de Leon in extra innings. Obviously, you start the runner at second base. He gets a fly ball to left. Inexplicably, they don't tag up the Diamondbacks. Rojas was at second base. He's got decent speed. He has to be at third. Cardinals were given a gift. What happens? Daniel Ponce de Leon made him pay. You know, if you can go to him to give you three outs here or there, that is huge. And he picked up a save in a key spot, and the Cardinals had to win that game. You know, when you got the kind of start that you had from Martinez and you jump out to the lead and you get uh, O'Neal hitting a home run first game back, you got to win that game. And a Diamondbacks team that now has dropped 11. So that was big by Daniel Ponce de Leon, too. And it's even more of a must win because you used your big three guys. They're all unavailable tonight. So you've got Johan Oviedo on the mound, and we don't know how deep he's going to go, but I would assume five or fewer. It's kind of been the story with him so far this year. And then you're going to have to figure out how to get through six through nine. That could be an adventure for the Cardinals tonight. So what could have been a loss last night very easily could have turned into two straight losses because of the way that they used their bullpen last night. And that's not me criticizing the way they used them. That's how they should have been used. But when you get into that spot, Cabrera is not himself. Gallegos allows a run, which you don't see very often. If they didn't win that one last night, it could have been a rough weekend for them. Huge win. They've stolen now back-to-back games, in my opinion, Dan. That's what I said, too. This is what good teams do. They find a way whenever they don't have their best stuff going right now. They stole a game against the White Sox in that third game of the series, and then they stole one once again last night. So Carlos Martinez, nine games started, 53 and a third. He's three and four, ERA just over four. He's got 30 strikeouts. His whip has been okay, not great. I'll take it, but, you know, when you're talking about a guy that sometimes can get a little wild, hits too many guys, leads a league and hit batters, hit the pitcher last night. Um, but he's gotten the job done, and here's Mike Schilt. He was tremendous, you know, no-no going in the seventh, and, um, you know, got got some balls that, I guess, got some play and got some got some harder contact, but he did a tremendous job to, to really nullify uh, their lineup through six and, and get us into the seventh. I think he's been really good. You know, he's been what you wanted when he was. Remember, you know, we were talking offseason, BK. Well, what's the role for Carlos Martinez? Could he be a closer? Yeah. Could he be a bullpen guy? Yeah. He had all these arms. Now you don't. He needs people to step up, and he's done that. And last night, he had everything working. To me, he had three pitches going. He had his cutter, he had a good fastball, good changeup, and nullifying left handed batters. And. I thought there was a chance he was going to throw a no a no hitter. It's a lesser lineup. He had good stuff and he was engaged. I mean, you could tell he felt good from the get go, and you can see it in the body language. Sometimes you can notice it's a grind. You guys for him. mentioned it right away. Yep. last night you could just see it. And having done a bunch of his games, you just see it. And he had good stuff, and that's a big win for the Cardinals. He needed this uh, coming off of that injury. He was clearly not right in that start that he had. I think it was against the Rockies prior to going on the injured list. He was much, much better last night. And this year, if you told me before the season, hey, Carlos Martinez is going to end up striking out five batters per nine innings, I would be like, ooh, that could get ugly for him. But he's done a great job of managing contact. And what I mean by that is he's not getting hit hard consistently. That cutter that he's using now, especially against lefties, that's been a difference maker for him. He's getting soft ground balls, and when he's at his best, even when he was striking out more batters, that's 
spin the way that he pitches. It's that soft contact, especially with this defensive infield. Been working for him this year, and they needed it out of him. How about our guy, Yachty? Three more hits last night. Comes up with a double late, and you had Goldie at second base to start the extra innings. Arenado's your first hitter up. Grounds out to short, and you're thinking, "Uh uh-oh, now you're in trouble. Because then, if you're the home team, you're thinking, okay, we got that key first out, and they did not advance the runner from second base. We get two outs. We're going to win this game. And Yachty comes up with a double. The guy has just been money this year, and that is huge. And he also had a couple of key blocks in the game late that didn't allow them to advance runners into scoring position. It's just the guy's unbelievable, man. There's just no other way to put it. It's crazy. We were talking about this. I was talking about with uh, Tanner and Alex yesterday. When Yachty is in the lineup, he he was good defensively last night. Don't get me wrong, but it's the bat that's the difference maker for him this season. And that's crazy. It wasn't even this way when he first came up. It was the defense, not the offense. And now you get laid into his career. Anybody that thought prior to this season, and it was crazy then, it's still crazy now. But if you didn't think Yadier Molina was a Hall of Famer coming into this year. I was just thinking that this morning. I hope that this is changing your mind. He has adjusted seemingly every year of his career. And think of how the game is adjusted oh. from 2004 to now, and he's still doing it. That That is what I can't get a full grasp on because it's one thing to stay in the game if the game doesn't change that much game is completely changed and he's evolved with the game and same with Wayno. and the thing he hasn't done is the strikeouts like he, he has evolved and while everything around him is swirling around the strikeout rate he still has never struck out 100 times in a single season never you know the thing is pk the thing i watched this year i think he's a bit heavier looks stronger and probably by design for the long haul of a season and when he got back from the shutdown last year, he's really thin and probably was thinking, well, I got 60 games, heat of the summer. You know, this is the way I need to adjust my body. But he, in, the, in his at-bats, if you watch him, he, he loves to go after the first pitch. Sometimes he's just going to go after it. But he's letting it rip. Second pitch lets it rip. Now he's got two strikes. And it's not to say he's always going to put it in play, but for the most part, doesn't strike out very often. But he becomes almost a situational type hitter. So not only is he adapt over the years, adapted over the years, but he adapts inside the plate appearance to where he understands there's a premium of putting the ball in play yep. or taking the ball to right. <laughs> you know, what else can you say, man? The guy's just been remarkable. He's such a great guy to have for young, young players to learn from because of those adjustments that you're talking about. I mean, we talked about it all offseason. Where would this team be if they didn't have Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina right now? They not just for the sentimental stuff that we talk so much about. It's what they've contributed on the baseball field this year. And that's what's most impressive to me. He, he's been outstanding and they, they needed him to perform like this. So you think of the 2021 player. You're fine with strikeouts. Give me your power. Okay. Yachty's going to try to do that. And he's hit for power this year. Seven home runs. Hit extra bases. But then with two strikes, what's he do? He becomes the anti-2021. He becomes Tommy Edmond. Yeah, <laughs> trying to put the ball in play. Try to do something with it, and it's just remarkable to see. So uh, it's fun. to it, it is. The sentimentality of it is great. Don't get me wrong. And I love watching the guy play. And when he's gone, I always try to say this. Don't take it for granted because you're never going to see it again. Wayno has been fun to watch. Um, and also, I'm going to follow up your point. You know, there was a time they didn't have Nolan Arenado. Imagine if you went into the season without Wayno, without Yachty, without Nolan Arenado. Yikes difference makers and by the way Tyler O'Neill, difference maker last yeah. night they, they need that guy they need one of at least 
Tyler O'Neill and Paul DeYoung in the lineup consistently because that sixth guy having that pop, that, that's a difference maker for him. Coming up, we'll visit with the uh, general manager of the Cardinals, Michael Gersh. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. To visiting with Michael Gersh, the general manager of the St. Louis Cardinals, and he's always been very kind to uh, come on the air and join us. And uh, Gersh, did you get a little rest after last hmm. night, or can you fall asleep after games like that? That was a fun game last night. Uh, it's, it's always easier to fall asleep when you uh, you end up on the winning end. So it was, <laughs> uh, I, I got I got a little rest. I'm okay. Yeah, um, let's talk a little bit about that game last night. And we were just talking about Yadier Molina kind of under the radar for the entire time because you had a potential no-hitter going on. Uh, you had the excitement going on with the bases loaded Ryan Helsley. But then Yachty at the very end, he makes a couple of key blocks behind the plate. He gives you three hits, and he comes up with a game-winning hit, double RBI. Um, is he surpassed at, you know, I, I, I guess we never should be surprised anymore, but is he surpassed at the plate what you maybe were expecting this year? I think I think saying never be surprised by Yachty is probably right, but um, there are not too many guys who've been in the league 19 years who who sort of have their best offensive season in year 19. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly think no one's expectations were that he would uh, he would he would have this kind of offensive season. I don't think, possibly including Yachty, but he uh, he's kind of transformed his game and, and he's added he's added some uh, strikeouts, but at the uh, at the benefit of a lot more power than he's had the last few years. And he's, he's really been hitting the ball. Uh, great. One of the other big storylines from last night's game was the bullpen because you had Cabrera go out there and clearly just didn't have his best stuff. Gallegos Reyes, both in the game, but it was Ryan Helsley and Daniel Ponce de Leon who really impressed me. Helsley getting out of that jam and then Ponce closing things out. How important, Gersh, is it going to be for you guys to add depth pieces to that bullpen around Cabrera, Gallegos, Reyes? And do you think it could be guys like Helsley and Ponce that could contribute there? Yeah, I mean, I think it's obvious that for the past couple of weeks, we've been leaning awfully hard on, on sort of those three, those three relievers to carry us in every close game and, and, and almost every win. And that's just not sustainable. We're going to run those guys into the ground if we have to use them every time it's a close game. So um, Helsley and Pons were both great yesterday. They've both shown at times in the last you know couple seasons that they can be legitimate big league pitchers. So uh, our expectation is that they can they can be part of that you know the key pieces in the back of the bullpen. So um, I'm really personally personally really excited to see what Pons can do. I think he's always uh, you know we've, we've had him in the rotation most of his major league career, I think there's a chance that now that he's settled into a bullpen role for, for hopefully for a foreseeable future, um, you know, he was sitting 96, 95, 96 last night, which is two or three miles an hour faster than he sits when he's a starter. And if, if he can throw like that and command the counts, uh, we'll, we'll be in good shape. How about Amundo Sosa, uh, Mike? I mean, th- this kid has been in your system for a long time and he's done a, a, just a great job. What, what are your thoughts on, on watching him play every day right now? Yeah, he's he's the kind of guy that's really rewarding for the whole organization when he comes up and and has a nice run like this. I mean, we we probably scouted him when he was 15 years old and signed him when he was 16. He's been in the organization for a long time. He's touched every level of the minor leagues. You know, every maybe not everyone who's in our minor league system has has worked with Edmundo at some point, but a whole lot of guys have. Um, and so it's really gratifying to see a guy that 
you know, reaches what you kind of were envisioning when he was 16 years old and physically looks very different and, you know, and, and experience wise was a whole different place. And yet now he's finally made it to a point where he's, uh, he's not just holding down the spot, but he's a contributor every night. And it, that's been great. Did he get hit by pitches as much as he's getting hit right now in the minor leagues? I, I mean, that as a sincere question. You know what? That is actually a good question. And I meant to look that up because it is kind of ridiculous how often he's getting hit by pitches, which I'm not sure that's the, uh, the, the preferred way to keep your on-base percentage high <laughs> right. if you're a hitter, but, but it works. So. It's unbelievable. I think what was last night was number nine, and I think he's played in a career 36 or 37 games. And I looked it up. It's the most in the history of baseball through like 36, 37 games, whatever it is. It's just one of those things. It's crazy. It's 15% of his plate appearances are ending in a hit-by-pitch right now. There you go. There you go. Yeah. That's crazy. It's insane. And luckily, they've all been like grazing blows, and, and nothing has hit him exactly. Yet, but, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. Is he earning more playing time? I know when DeYoung gets back, I would have to imagine he's the guy that has earned the starting spot at shortstop. But does he help you maybe give an off day here and there to DeYoung or to uh, Tommy Edmond at second base? Does Sosa do that for you right now? Yeah, I think certainly that you know, he has changed his profile, you know, within the organization just by having this opportunity and running with it. So the, the, the confidence in putting him into the lineup, you know, when a situation merits, when the, when the pitching matchup somehow favors him, or just when you feel like someone might need a day, it's a lot easier to do it after you've watched what he's done for the last, you know, two weeks or so. So I, I suspect his, his playing time will certainly increase. I I don't know at what level, I don't know, you know, that he's going to, take anyone's job any, right away, but he's certainly a, a bigger piece of the puzzle. You know, looking at your club, and Michael Gersh is our guest, the general manager of the Cardinals, uh, there's only been a handful of games that you have had what would be your projected everyday lineup. So Bader is out, DeYoung is out, Michael is not in the rotation, Andrew Miller not in the bullpen, list goes on and on. Um, how, how do you guys feel about getting healthier with some of those players? Are you close with some of those guys? And, and just getting through what, what has been a, a rough stretch of injuries. Yeah, so you know we got O'Neill back last night, which was great and helpful. And, and his first ball he hit went about 450 feet, so that was a good start. Um, DeYoung and Bader are both, you know, a matter of uh, uh, hopefully a week or so. Um, neither one should be a, a, a much too much longer. Um, you know, guys like Mikeless and Hicks are out for a longer period. Um, Andrew Miller actually threw his second rehab stint in Memphis yesterday. He, he's we'll, we'll have a conversation about him today. He, he's probably a matter of days away. Whether he takes another rehab or whether he's headed uh, headed west in the next few days, we'll have to figure out. But it's going to be pretty soon. So it's it's been a challenge, but you look around baseball, and and it we are far from the outlier. I mean, there are there are teams who are in way worse shape uh, with injuries than we are, and and it feels like every time I I uh, check the transaction bulletin, there's a whole lot of guys going on the injured list. So um, I'm not sure what it is, a combination of things. You can say it's you know coming off a shortened season, but I mean Bader. Uh, Bader O'Neill and DeYoung all have like, you know, fractures, fractures don't, that doesn't seem very related to a longer season. That's just sort of bad luck about how you got hit by a pitch or how sure. you go for a ball or whatever. So um, it's a combination of things, but, but it's been challenging. And, and we have some injuries on the minor league side with guys on the 40 man who are unavailable to come up. So it, it makes things a little bit complicated, but again, it's, it's, I, I think in a lot of ways we are healthier than average. So we'll, uh, 
our performance and, and medical staff do a great job getting these guys ready and trying to trying to stay ahead of all this stuff as best they can. And so we'll we'll uh, we'll just keep grinding away. You mentioned Tyler O'Neill there, and I did want to ask you about him because it, his profile is so interesting to me. He's kind of the the classic 2021 player in a lot of ways. He does strike out a lot. He's not walking at all this season, but he when he makes contact, it is about as hard as anybody in the sport. When you guys envisioned what he could be when he reaches his potential, is is this kind of what you saw from him? Yeah, I mean, this type of player is what we saw when when we traded for him several years ago. I mean, he, he's always been have incredible power and the ability to hit the ball out to any part of the ballpark, and he's always struck out more than you'd like. Um, I think we probably underestimated just how fast he is. It's just hard to imagine that package of skills also being like elite speed. Um, and so that, that maybe we didn't entirely, I mean, we had him, we had him scouted as obviously a fast player, but I, I'm not sure we understood just how fast he was and how well that would translate defensively. Um, you know, hopefully, obviously, uh, Tyler's always working on making more contact and being more patient. And at times in the past couple of seasons, he's, he's been more patient and at times he's cut his strikeout rate down and at times he's hit with a lot of power. We just haven't quite been able to get all three of those things moving the same direction at the same time. So there's still... There's still excitement about what he could be, even though what he is right now is pretty exciting. Gersh, where would you guys be without Tommy Edmond? You know, I, everybody talks about Goldie and Arenado, rightfully. Dylan Carlson could be a rookie of the year. I get all that, and they're great players. I'm not sure where you'd be without Tommy Edmond, especially from a front office point of view where he gives you flexibility to play the outfield and come in and play the infield. He's just been sensational. He, he's, he is quietly incredibly valuable. And, and because of his flexibility... You, you don't have to necessarily carry uh, a backup at every position because you can just sort of name, you know, Tommy the backup at almost any position and, and load up somewhere else. So his flexibility has been huge. And, you know, it obviously it's worked out great with Sosa playing, playing well, but the fact that Tommy could have played shortstop if we needed him to is helpful. The, the fact that when, you know, when Bader and O'Neill are both out at the same time and the outfield starts looking a little thin, we can run him out there. And, and, and he just takes a quality at bat every time he's up and, uh, he, he even when he has even when he doesn't get on base uh, against the White Sox the other day he had like a nine pitch at bat against against Hendricks late in the game that you know we were pretty far behind he made the last out of the game but he he worked their their closer you know nine or ten or twelve pitches which even when it didn't work out in our favor that day set us up for the next day where their closer might not be available. So he just, all the little things that he does are, are a huge part of our success. How much of a benefit is it for you guys to have a player like that too? I mean, you look at his strikeout rate, his contact rate, all of that stuff. It's, it's going in the opposite direction of the rest of the league. You're striking out 10% of the time this year. It's, it's crazy. How much does that help you guys to have a player like him at the top of your order? Yeah, I think it, I think it helps to just have someone different than than the rest of the order mixed in. Um, I mean, uh, you know, obviously having guys who put the ball in play is helpful, and is and and, uh, and given Tommy's profile, his speed, uh, being left-handed or batting left-handed most of the time, um, putting the ball in play is a big part of this game. Um, that being said, I mean, if if he traded some strikeouts for a whole bunch of walks and hits, that'd be okay too, right? We just, we just need him on first base as much as possible. But his, his style of play, he, he battles every at bat, and I think he has a knack for frustrating pitchers, which, is, uh, which never hurts. Absolutely. I, I don't know if you feel this way, 
Gersh and Michael Gersh, our guest, the general manager of the Cardinals. I've always looked at Memorial Day, a lot of people in baseball do, as, you know, kind of a measuring stick of where you're at. And so now we're getting our first look at Nolan Arenado. I'm curious what you've thought of the first two months and maybe how he has changed the outlook of this organization in a lot of ways, from his play on the field, his intensity, the intangibles, all that stuff. It just you, you guys made the you pulled the trigger and made this big deal. What has it been like now watching him in person? It's been great. I think I, I think he has shown you know anytime you trade for a player who was coming off a down year and Nolan had had a little injury with the shoulder. Um, you're, there's you know a small piece of you that's nervous, and anytime you trade for a hitter coming out of course field, there's a small piece of you that's nervous. But I think Nolan has more than shown that he is still an elite level talent that he can hit anywhere. That uh, and and on, in the in the clubhouse, it just his approach, the way he the way he goes about you know competing, the way he um, the way he appreciates kind of how the Cardinals do things, and and you know he he wanted to be part of the Cardinals as much as anyone who we've ever acquired has wanted to be part of the organization, and has jumped in you know wholeheartedly, being part of it, supporting it, working with all of our staff, working with all the players, you know admiring what Yachty does, but trying to, you know, show other people what Nolan sort of thing. So it, he's been nothing but a positive addition. Gersh, I wanted to ask you about John Gant because I said yesterday, I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like this. He's walking nearly as many guys as he's striking out. He seems to get into a bases loaded jam every time that he's out there and he finds a way to wiggle out of it. In his ERA now you look up and it's 1.8 in his first nine starts of the year. As a numbers guy yourself, are you sometimes befuddled as to what's taking place right now with John Gant? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm thoroughly confused as to how he keeps doing this, but thank goodness he does. It is. Uh, <laughs> I, I almost feel like you know we should start every inning by like whispering in his ear that the bases are loaded, just <laughs> the bases are loaded, and pitch like that because he he has a knack for getting out of innings that. Uh, uh, I'd be okay if we, you know, just went ahead and had some one, two, three innings mixed in. But uh, I guess at the end of the day, as long as there's no runs on the board, he's done his job and he's been doing a great job in terms of keeping the runs off the board and keeping us in games all season. This is a general question. How are the minor leagues going after not playing a season ago? And then specifically, uh, people are always interested about Liberator and Nolan Gorman, those two uh, childhood friends and obviously top prospects. So the minor leagues are they're up and running, and uh, the most important thing is we got games going on. Like you said, yeah. the kids are getting the bats and getting the pitch. Um, it's it's been interesting. You know, the the uh, the injury bug that's hit the major leagues has has somewhat hit the minor leagues in terms of guys, um, you know, first time ramping up to full speed, and and how that's worked out. Um, it's been a challenge for our minor leagues. Our spring training for the minor leagues was affected a little bit. Um, I don't know if people know, but the Marlins had an, a COVID outbreak during minor league spring training, and our plan was to play the Marlins uh, in lots of scrimmages all throughout the all throughout minor league spring training, and we ended up doing just internal scrimmages. So, on top of having not competed, you know, in games for you know a year and a half, our guys hadn't even seen people with another uniform on in a year and a half. We didn't have any real scrimmages against another team late in spring training. So, the, the whole the whole thing getting up and running we got a lot of young players throughout the system it's all been a little bit of a challenge but the most important thing is we're, we are up and running we haven't had any issues minor league baseball in general hasn't had any issues so um that that's encouraging uh in, in particular with Libertor and gorman um they both have they're both doing fine they're, they're they're both scuffling a little bit as they get started um both of them have jumped several levels uh, Libertor went from low a to triple a which 
is unheard of, except when you have a year off. That's the kind of thing that happens. Uh, and Gorman went from A ball to double A. So um, neither one has uh, has done anything to, to make us nervous or, or change our outlook for them long term. But uh, but they're all, they're both uh, kind of getting settled into the to, to their new levels. Can I ask you about two other minor leaguers that have kind of stood out just based on stuff that you're seeing on Twitter, highlight videos, those sorts of things? It'd be Jordan Walker, your first round pick from a year ago, and then Delvin Perez, who came back with a different body for many of us from what we had seen. It doesn't look like the power's been there this year, but he is making a little more contact. Can you tell our, our listeners about what those two have done this year? Yeah, Jordan Walker was our first round pick um, out of a high school outside Atlanta last year. Um, spent a little bit of time at our alternate site last year. Uh, this is his first taste of professional baseball. He's playing at low A Palm beach and he has hit the ground running. He is, uh, elite power. Uh, our Palm beach spring training site has the, a similar stack cast system to what the major league teams have as part of the, um, automated ball strike zone they're using down at that level. And so, um, his he's being he's being tracked similar to how a big leaguer would be and his exit velocities and how hard he's hitting balls and how far he's hitting balls would fit right into any major league power hitter which is really encouraging um he's been out for a week or so he had a, he he injured his wrists uh i guess they call it a wrist brain for lack of a better term um and so he's had some some uh tenderness and and we're not gonna take any chances with a guy like him with his kind of talent and so we've been holding him out for a, a little bit here but he's uh He's done any, everything you could hope for for an 18-year-old playing his first professional season. Um, and then Delvin Perez was a first-round pick a few years back. He, he, had a, he, he made very good use of his year off. He, he got, came back in much better physical shape. He, he's always been an athletic, you know, um, quick-twitch kind of guy, but he put on some muscle. He's stronger. He's, uh, he, he just matured. On and off the field, he's just matured. And so he jumped up to double-A this year. Um, you know, again, it's a big jump. Like for all these guys who jump a couple levels, um, he's he's not exactly dominating the league, but just the fact that he is competing at Double A after having finished the, his previous minor league season at Low A is encouraging, and he's just physically hitting the ball harder, which was was honestly was one of his issues the previous couple of years. He just was not hitting, making hard enough contact to sort of survive as a hitter, and now he he is he is hitting the ball harder um, both in spring training and in minor league ball, and and put him in a position where. You know, as the season progresses, hopefully he can kind of get up to the double A level and, and then kind of move on from there. Hey, Gersh, really appreciate you doing this and hopping on and uh, taking our questions as you always do. Have a great Memorial Day, and I'm sure we'll catch up at the ballpark soon. Thanks for doing it. All right. Thanks, guys. Have you, a good one. You got it. You too. That's uh, Michael Gersh, the general manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. There's a lot of things that he was getting into uh, that interests me, but generally speaking for me, Memorial Day is kind of the barometer measuring stick and. So far, so good. There's been some ups, some downs, but so far, so good. There Obviously, there's some warts with this team, but that, that can be corrected before you get to the trade deadline. I also think just getting healthy is the first no part of that, right? He mentioned, no uh, doubt. I think if you're, you're looking for a headliner there, uh, there's two things for me. First, it sounds like about another week for Paul DeYoung and Harrison Bader. When those guys get back, we're going to finally see again the Cardinals at full strength, knock on wood, as long as there's not another injury between now and then. The other thing was what he said about Nolan Arenado. We knew this to be true, but hearing it from the Cardinals, it never gets old. He said he's wanted to be a car or he wanted to be a Cardinal rather as much as any player that we've ever had that we had we acquired. Man, hearing that as a Cardinals fan has to be music to your ears. As much as, yes, I understand there are those opt-outs that are out there. 
when you hear something yeah, like that, it's impossible for me to be like, yeah, he might use those opt-outs. No, as long as this team keeps winning and things keep going in the direction that he expected them to, there's no reason to be concerned about that. By the way, wait until he sees a full house. Oh, yeah. He's going to go, whoa, this is this is pretty good. And, he's you know, it's not like he hasn't been around it uh, before and seen it in St. Louis, but when they're cheering for you with 40,000... It's pretty cool. So that's something to think about. Steve Berthium is coming up. He is the play-by-play voice of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Been a rough go for the D-backs. They now have dropped 11 straight. So we'll talk to Steve Berthium coming up. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. I'm Dan McLaughlin, Danny Mac Show, on a Friday before Memorial Day. Be careful out there. Enjoy the weekend. And we say hello to a longtime ESPN anchor and now the voice of the Arizona Diamondbacks, Steve Berthium. Hey, Steve, great to hear your voice. How you doing? Danny Mac, good to talk to you. I'm doing okay. Uh, I'm used to doing all our baseball remotely, so this feels no different than uh, than doing a game. Talking you, to you on the phone. How are you holding up with these games? How you doing? You doing all right with these games remotely? It sucks. I mean, <laughs> Thank you for saying it, what it, I think. Yeah, it, I feel bad. I, first of all, the, the folks in our truck at Valley Sports Arizona, and I'm sure it's the same for you in St. Louis, they've done a, they've done a remarkable job. The, the, the directors and the producers are the guys that really have it tough. It's a lot harder on them than I think it is on us. Basically, they're directing and producing two games at once simultaneously, a feed for the home team and a feed for the other team. Um, From our perspective, it's a lot easier physically because you're not traveling. That grind is lessened a little bit, you know, instead of the the hour-long bus ride from Coors Field to the Denver airport, I'm I'm home 15 minutes after the game. That's nice. Um, But it's mostly downside. You're disconnected from the players and the coaches, uh, you're unable to give the viewers for your club the, the broadcast that you know you're capable of doing. You've got both hands tied behind your back. So it's frustrating, but we're doing the best we can. Everybody's hanging in. Yeah, there's been a lot of challenges with it. There's no doubt. I'm looking forward to seeing Madison Bumgarner tonight. And how how would you surmise what he's done in Arizona? At times he's been awful, and then other times he, he's just been great. So how would you describe what he's been? Uh, well, that's a good way to do it. Last year was really bad. I think he got embarrassed. Um, this year he's been much, much better. Uh, there's a couple of things going on with Bum here. Uh, I, I think the process for him is very important where he is at this point in his career, that ramp up the off season prep leading into spring training and then getting through April when the last five or six years, he's been okay. He's been about a 500 pitcher in April, even going back to the last few years with the Giants. I think that process is important for him. Once he gets into the flow of the season, then he sort of becomes mad bum again. Didn't get that opportunity last year. I think when they shut down spring training, he went home to North Carolina and rode his horse for a long time, um, probably thinking that they weren't going to play at all. And then when the season did get going, he was, I think, well behind where he would normally be and just had trouble catching up. And I think this year it was a slow start. Again, his first three starts here did not go all that well. And I think Matt Hurgis, uh, the Diamondbacks are a very analytically inclined ball club. And they throw a lot of stuff at their pitchers and catchers, a lot of stuff. Dan Heron has done a tremendous job behind the scenes 
um, leading the pitching department, the run prevention department. And I think they just threw a lot more at Mad Bum than he's used to and, frankly, was probably not all that comfortable with. He needs to go out there and just kind of feel it and be that old-school guy who reads swings and adjusts to what he's seeing. And I think after the first three starts, they just threw everything out and said, just go out and be bum. Just be that guy that carried San Francisco on his shoulders single-handedly. And I think once he did that, he's been a completely different pitcher. The velocity has been way up. His location is really good. He's consistent 92-93 with a fastball, moves the cutter around to all four quadrants. The curveball has been really good the last few starts, much improved. He's looked very much like the old Mad Bum. I mean, he's looked really, really good. Steve, on the other side of things, one guy that's been excellent all season long is Carson Kelly, the former Cardinals minor league catcher. He's batting 300. We saw him in a big spot last night. What has impressed you the most about Carson this year? What, what has stood out about his development to you? His patience at the plate. He's a completely different guy than he has been here. This is a whole different Carson than we've seen previously. Um, they, like I said, they throw a whole bunch at their catchers. And, and when they got Carson, they really believed and still do that he, okay, this is the guy that's going to be behind the plate for us for the better part of the next decade. And he's definitely on his way there. He has really changed his entire approach at the plate this year. It's been very, very stark to the way, the contrast to the way he was the first couple of years. He's really patient up there. Very selective, really commands, surveys the strike zone well. He's changed his mechanics at the plate, too. Carson used to have a very dramatic, you, you guys probably remember this, too, a very dramatic front leg kick. That yep. front leg would hang up in the air, um, and he'd sort of balance on that back leg and sometimes even fall backward or fall forward toward the ball. He's really done away with that. The bat comes off the shoulder. Notice this tonight, Danny. The, the bat will come off the shoulder right away. And then that front foot gets down real quick. And he's in a great position to then make a really good decision about swinging or not swinging. And it's that decision-making and getting himself in that athletic position to make that decision and then carry through with his swing that has really, really changed for him. I think uh, before he got hurt, he had more walks than strikeouts. He was getting on base all the time. And he was killing, just killing everything up in the zone. And he was really, really rolling. And then he just had a foul ball go off his left toe, fractured the, the big toe on his left foot, um, and just came off the injured list. The guy you saw last night was not the Carson Kelly at all that we've seen this entire season. His timing is still just not there. He only came off the injured list the other day. And I think the second pitcher he saw was Johnny Cueto. And when you're trying to get your timing back at the plate, Johnny Cueto might be the last guy you want to see out there. But the, the Carson that had a couple of punch-outs last night, that's, he's still trying to get his timing back. But he, he's really, really been good this year. Everybody's been very impressed. Yeah, he looked completely different with his approach at the plate, and I did notice that. Um, on the flip side of that deal was Paul Goldschmidt. What, what is the view of that trade in Arizona with Goldschmidt now signed long-term here in St. Louis? Well, I mean, a lot of it is – tied into the Diamondbacks history you know it's still a young team they've only been here for about two decades they've only existed for that long and you know when they won the the 01 championship with my partner Bob Brindley that was a veteran team full of guys from other clubs you know Matt Williams and Mark Grace and Luis Gonzalez and it was a really really good team but it was a collection of veterans who played elsewhere Goldie was the first guy that was our guy you know he was this chubby 
sort of slow eighth round pick out of Texas State, a guy nobody really noticed or frankly wanted all that much. And he made himself into the player that he is now. He worked. And he was the first guy that was our guy. And that meant a lot to people around here. Plus, he's just, I mean, he's literally too good to be true, just as a person and a player, um, a complete ball player. So he meant a little bit more, I think, to Diamondback fans here than people elsewhere might realize because he was the first guy that they scouted, drafted, developed, and he reached that level of excellence as a Diamondback. The, the trade, I think, people realize it probably was necessary given the money he was looking for. And, you know, Goldie's a little older now. He's 33. He'll be 34 at the end of this year. Um, so I, I think people realize it was probably the best move organizationally. Maybe the, the, the way they perceive the trade now is not as good as it was before because Luke Weaver is injured. Luke's got a shoulder problem now, rotator cuff. He's not going to throw for at least four weeks. Um, so that hurts. And we've seen Luke have a couple of absolutely dominant starts this year. But I think the people have sort of come to grips with the idea that it just it was time to move on, and that was probably the best decision for the organization. And I, I think he gets his number retired in Arizona. Is that taking it too far, or do you think that could happen? <sighs> I, I think that's definitely a possibility. I, that Goldie was beloved here exactly. for a million reasons, a million reasons. Um, it, and Paul did everything that was asked for him here, Danny. I mean, he... The only time Goldie got uncomfortable with being Goldie um, was when it was all about him. He is all about the team. He's all about his teammates, as you guys know. And and he was asked to do a lot of stuff in the community. He and Amy were unbelievable and are still are unbelievable with the work they've done at Phoenix Children's Hospital here. They they were tireless in their community efforts, both of them. Um, and I think when it just became only Goldie, Goldie, Goldie all the time, that's when he got a little uncomfortable with things and wanted to see his teammates get, you know, more attention in, in that area. But yeah, he's, I mean, he's right there. He's on the Mount Rushmore. There, there's no question. One follow-up question I would have on Goldie is he, he got off to a little bit of a slow start again this year. You, you saw what he looked like early on in his seasons in Arizona. Is that kind of a theme for him for Cardinals fans that were a little worried about his early season production? Is that something that kind of happens with Goldie and he heats up as the summer goes on? Not quite. I, I, Goldie always has one month. And for us, it was often, and I don't know why this was, but it was often May. Um, it's not so much being a slow starter, but he will have a month where he just doesn't hit. And usually for us, it was in the month of May. Goodness knows why, but he would have a month where all of a sudden he starts chasing a lot of sliders down and away. Or he'd come up in the eighth inning, tying run at second base, and just you know hit a weak rounder or a strikeout. And it just he wasn't Goldie for stretches. There was usually one three week stretch over the course of the season where he'd be like that. So that that's I think just sort of part and parcel with him. It's just he has a stretch like that that he goes through every year. It may have just been April with you guys this year, but for us it was usually in May. But boy, once June came and you oh, had yeah. you had three months of oh my goodness, you couldn't get him out. It was ridiculous. His first year here, they could not get him out around the All Star break it was unbelievable yeah. it was just in yeah, you, you know you're kind of waiting for him to do this thing and and all of a sudden steve is just like oh my goodness he's the best hitter on the planet it was incredible 
Yeah, we saw that. We were watching from over here, and you, you saw the numbers, and you go, oh, Goldie's, you know, I, they might be freaking out a little bit in St. Louis, but we knew that, okay, he just has that stretch, but once that light switch goes on, boy, look out. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Steve, wish we could uh, be in person in Arizona. Hopefully you guys will be traveling <laughs> by the time that you come here. We'll see if that's the case, but thanks for doing this, and have a great Memorial Day weekend. Appreciate you. You bet. Thanks, guys. Always good to talk to you. You too. That's Steve Berthium, outstanding play-by-play voice of the uh, Diamondbacks. Good guy. And, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of waiting for him to take that that tear. It's going to happen, and he'll carry the club for two weeks. That's what he did in 19. I don't know if you oh, remember yeah. that stretch. It was right around the All-Star break. What was it, like six or seven or eight games in a row he homered? It's and, incredible. When, when well, he gets Bob, going. Bob Brenly told me. Exactly. Pretty much to what he just heard. He said, you haven't seen what he's going to do. And I was, he was kind of quiet, you know, not doing a lot. At the, you know, you saw some flashes. He said, oh, don't don't worry about it. This is Bob Brunley. who knows baseball as well as anybody. He said, don't worry about it. He's going to carry you for a month. And he did. Got him for a month, and the rest is history. And he hasn't been that this month, but he's been pretty darn good. In the month of May, he's batting three oh three with a four eighty five slugging percentage. Those are like your typical Paul Goldschmidt numbers. So I don't know when that month is coming where he's going to carry this team, but it will come. And when it does, if he gets hot at the same time as Nolan Arenado oh. or Tyler O'Neill or, hell, maybe Paul DeYoung gets going after he sure. comes off of the IL. Whoever it is, if they've got a couple, two, three guys going in this lineup, that's when things could catch fire for this team okay that does it for the show that does it for the week it's memorial day we have a best of show on monday uh good baseball talk and some of the great conversations that we've had so we'll talk to everybody on tuesday you have your show coming up with alex we do we've got carson kelly actually go- uh, joining us coming up at eleven fifteen. excited to talk to the former cardinals catcher now diamondbacks catcher we will also discuss carlos martinez's start from last night and for cardinals fans six five seven eight oh zero comfort service text line where are you at on carlos martinez now Because I think he's earned a little bit of your respect, a little bit of the appreciation of Cardinals fans after the start that he's had so far this year. Tanner, he's like biting his tongue. What's what's your problem? I may or may not have been one of those that had no faith in Carlos. Oh, that's why. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. Hey, guys, have a great weekend. Be safe. Have a great uh, Memorial Day as well. This was fun. Thanks for doing it as always. And we'll talk to everybody at 10 on Tuesday here on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.